This is Against All Enemies, a show about threats to American democracy. Political violence is on the rise. An alarming percentage of Americans believe they may have to take up arms against their neighbors. Some are already doing so. Against All Enemies highlights the activities of extremist organizations and their enablers. Our goal is to educate, not to alarm. The threats are real. But if we know what we are up against, together we can beat them. It's Ken Harbaugh with Against All Enemies on the Midas Touch Network. Check out this incredible video about an upcoming ballot measure in Ohio. It's a window into how extreme the Republican Party has become across the nation. I've got Dr. Amanda Weinstein here to talk about it. We'll see you right after the clip. I can't believe this. My daughter was raped. And you're not going to do anything? I'm sorry. They'll put us all in prison if we do the procedure. He's right. I'm your Republican congressman. We've banned abortion. No exceptions. She's just 12 years old. I'm not letting you destroy her life. I won the last election, so it's my decision. I'm just going to watch your daughter and make sure she doesn't do anything illegal. Amanda, great to have you back. I think there's this mindset within the Democratic Party that with all of the chaos going on in the Republican Party, the total dysfunction, there's kind of this sit back and and order popcorn um, mentality about watching them collapse. And I worry that it's causing us to take our eye off the ball because there are so many extremist pushes in state houses, on school boards. The video we just rolled is just one example. Can you give us the quick backstory in Ohio on issue one? And then I want your perspective and your expert insight into all of the other insidious efforts underway to to ban books, to advance the extremist agenda that in some ways Republican dysfunction is a total distraction from. Absolutely. I think part of the goal is distraction. Let's distract. Let's create this frenzy around something. And we forget about what we're actually trying to do here. And what we're actually trying to do here with issue one in Ohio is make sure that women have reproductive freedom, that they can make their own choices when it comes to contraception, when it comes to reproduction in all of its forms, so that they are the ones making their decisions with their doctors and that it is not some politician making the decision for them. And I think it's interesting when you think about there's a whole parental rights, I'm going to put that in quotes, parental rights movement. And the video we just saw, you can see this is taking rights away from people. This is taking rights away from parents. When this decision becomes not there's no doctors, right? There's no people involved in these decisions. It's just some politician making the decision for us as a family, for me, no doctors, right? So a lot of people worry like, oh, the, you know, the doctors won't do it. They're not going to do the procedure if they will be put in jail, right? The services will stop just like you saw in that video. They will have to go somewhere else to another state, just like we saw with the 10-year-old in Ohio who had to go to Indiana. Are you surprised at all that the Republicans keep pushing? I mean, it feels like they just can't learn their lesson. The last time a related referendum came up, confusingly also called issue one, the forces for liberalism, lowercase l, and personal freedom 
won in a massive way and Republicans just seem to be doubling down. I, I feel like I've asked you about this before, but it, it constantly baffles me that in a democracy, they seem to be slowly abandoning the idea of winning over a majority of voters. Oh, absolutely. I would say they have abandoned the idea of winning the majority of voters. They know the majority is not with them. That is no longer their strategy, right? Their strategy is to distract, is to get people to disengage from politics, is to not pay attention or to be paying attention over here when they should be paying attention over there and to change the rules of the game, right? So when we see what's happening with uh, a lot of places when it comes to schools is Governor DeWine is trying to take over the state school board of saying, well, now I'm going to put this under me. These are no longer going to be elected uh, members of the state school board. I will appoint them. And so this is an absolute power grab, which is what the issue one in August was about, was a power grab. They are trying to change the rules of government so that we no longer have a democracy because they know the majority is not with them. Tell us about the progress of these book banning efforts. When you talk talk about the forces of of liberalism, again, lowercase l, taking their eye off the ball, that is uh, that is in sharp contrast to some of these dedicated agents of of extremism. We've talked about Moms for Liberty in the past, who are laser focused on advancing their agenda to the point where a handful of uh, of, of extremist moms in air quotes, some of them aren't even uh, moms with kids in schools, are responsible for the majority of book bans across the nation. How is that playing out? Yeah, exactly. We have recent news that 11 people are responsible for 60% of the book bans across the nation. This is nuts. This is a very loud and very vocal, very, very tiny minority of the country that is responsible for things like book bans. And they are using our schools and our kids to fight these culture wars, which I think is interesting because it's the same playbook they had when the civil rights movement was going back, right? They used our schools and they used the integration of our schools to really play out the culture wars that they wanted to play out. They're doing the exact same thing right now. They are using our schools, whether it's through book bans, whether it's not allowing people to say gay, whether it is taking the, any mention of race outside of the story of Rosa Parks in a curriculum in Florida. They are using this as a culture war to fight their culture war. Can you talk about the recent book ban? I, I mean, it sounds like one of these stories that's too good to fact check. <laughs> that's a phrase in, in journalism, but of a, of a book that was authored by someone with the last name Gay, and that made it onto the book banner's radar. Are you familiar with the one I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah, so uh, Stella, we actually have a Stella book in my house. It's a fa they're fantastic children's books all about this little girl named Stella, but written by Marie Louise Gay. Her last name is Gay, and it got flagged as this is a book we might want to consider banning because it has the word gay on it. And they are literally making the entire country stop saying gay as if that's going to make gay people stop existing if we just stop saying the word. It's really ridiculous. So ridiculous. You just have to laugh at it. But this is real. I mean, it it puts a whole new spin on the don't say gay bill in Florida. I, I mean, now this person can't even be gay if that's her last name. Uh, the the excessiveness of it, I'm I'm laughing because of the absurdity, but it has 
such devastating impacts uh, on on already marginalized communities and kids in particular uh, who who are feeling like second class citizens in their own communities, in their own classrooms. Absolutely. These are demographics who have higher suicide rates as teenagers. This having books that reflect who they are is important for their health and so that they can continue on living uh, in our country. And it's really interesting to see pro-life people really try and ban these things that could really affect the lives of young people across the nation. And a lot of people might be sitting in blue areas thinking, this doesn't affect me, like my community would never ban books. However, what happens is very large and very red states can affect the curriculum across the nation. So whether that is Florida with bills that take race out of the story of Rosa Parks, whether that is Texas, a very large state. So the whole podcast Teaching Texas talks about how Texas can change the curriculum and change the textbooks in our nation. Because if you're a textbook provider, you don't want to create a textbook for each state. You want to create one textbook that will work for all states. And to comply with all of the state's various crazy things they might be doing in Texas or Florida, you then have a book that removes race from the story of Rosa Parks. So you then get that book in your school, even though nobody in your school wanted to ban a mention of race. So this affects red and blue across the nation when we have this very loud extremism occurring in very specific places. It can affect people in red or blue all over. Thanks for listening, everyone. I've got a quick break here, but I need a favor first. Shows like this depend on your support. Please, if you can spare five seconds, click the link to the podcast version of the show below and leave us a five-star review. It really does help. Thanks. These extremists are organizing electorally as well. They are running for school board positions. They're not just working behind the scenes to, to ban to ban books. They're taking the reins of power in some communities. So we are seeing, again, even in my own community, we have three extremist candidates running in. They even have their own super PAC for a small little school board race. Like this is just unheard of. The level of interjection of funds into our local school boards, I think this is something that people really aren't realizing because we do look at the national news and the national news is saying, oh, can you believe that that's happening in your state, right? But we're not paying attention to even our own school boards where people might often be talking about things like our reading curriculum. So this has been popular news too, that we need to improve our reading curriculum. We need to have more phonics. And this is part of why the governor wanted to take over the state board of education. But what it is in a lot of cases, and so you have also Democrats and Republicans both saying like, yes, we should make sure that we're constantly improving our reading program. But you have some places where they're using this as kind of a Trojan horse to get extremist candidates in who are then going to ban books uh, focus on bathrooms, focus on pronouns and whether you're allowed to use your pronoun or not, and all of these culture wars that they're trying to start in our schools when most of our kids don't even care about most of this stuff. It's not on the front. They're just trying to get through school. They're trying to pass their classes. Bringing culture wars into schools is not very productive for our children. I read uh, an interesting summary of, of some survey results. It, it might ring a bell with you. I'd love if you have the numbers off the top of your head, but it was basically showing that the vast majority of parents are really happy with their own schools. Um, the vast majority of non-parents 
think that schools are a mess. And it it speaks again to how 11 individuals could agitate so loudly that they could be the cause of 60% of the book bans across the country, affecting schools where the vast majority of parents love the teachers, love the administrators, uh, and think they're doing a good job for their kids. That's absolutely right. The vast majority of parents that I speak to in my community moved here for the schools. They are very happy with the schools. And we had school board meetings where people came from outside of our district and our town to come speak at our school board meeting of what they wanted to see happen. And a lot of this is some people just have no interaction with children. I find a lot of people that do actually interact with our young people find they're amazing. We see the amazing things that they're doing. They are thoughtful. They are considerate. They are thinking about the world around them. And if you don't interact with kids today, you would have no idea based on some of the stories you hear. But it's also just simply data illiteracy. If you look at, or data unaware, I don't know what it is, but if you look at the data on the percentage of teenagers who are regularly getting drunk, who are doing drugs, it's lower than it was for my parents. It's lower than it was for my grandparents. So as much as we want to talk about what the young people are, aren't doing, they're less likely to do drugs than their own parents were and then their grandparents. So I think we have a little more talking to do with grandma and grandpa when it comes to drugs and alcohol and the things that kids are doing. Same thing is true with premarital sex. They're less likely to do that than grandma and grandpa were. But somehow that doesn't seem to get, that data doesn't come through, that we don't realize that our kids are focusing on a whole lot of stuff. And our kids actually aren't doing a lot of the bad stuff some people don't want them to do. We just don't hear that in news stories. At the same time, mental health health outcomes for young people are um, something we desperately need to worry about. Kids today are worried about things in school that you and I hardly ever had to think about, like whether they're going to make it home alive, where the nearest uh, safe room is, run, hide, fight, that kind of thing. Um, and while one side is focusing on making sure books that might harm their sensibilities don't make it into the classroom, the other side is trying to make sure they, they survive the classroom. That's absolutely right. So we, uh, so my husband is a state rep, as you know, Ken, and he has actually had meetings with young people just to say, how are you doing? How am I doing for you? What can we do for you, even though you're not a voter yet? Because I think and he thinks it's important for our kids to be represented. And the thing he heard over and over from every one of those teenagers in that room was we're really stressed. And I think a lot of parents at the time kind of discounted what their children were telling them because right? What are you talking about? You don't have to worry about bills and you don't have to worry about a job, right? But we don't realize school today is very different than we were there. We didn't have regular drills where we had to pretend a shooter was coming to kill us. They do, right? They are in active war zones in some schools where they had to experience a shooter. The stresses they have even from social media and the school day not ending, right? When I went to school, you got home, school day was over. But that school day can continue on social media so that some kids can never get a break from that, whether it's bullying or whatever's going on in that school. And I don't think we quite understand the stress that that puts on kids, and especially if we're not listening to our kids. Yeah, totally. Uh, well, Amanda, I've got time for one more question because uh, some of some of our viewers know that I've just adopted a dog and he's very vocal in the background asking for attention. Um, Wait, what's his name? His name is Archie. Uh, we, we got him from the, the Cuyahoga Animal Shelter. If you listen closely, 
<laughs> you can hear you can Archie's hear, got hear Archie. concerns. Archie, Archie needs some love. Um, <laughs> you mentioned parental rights. Give us the quick rundown on on that movement, and uh, and then I'll go hang out with Archie. Oh, yes. So I love, I think the Republican playbook right now is let's come up with what we're not doing and say that we are, right? Let's restrict parental rights by, you know, I'm fine if any parent wants to exempt their kid from a book, but you can't exempt my kid from a book, right? They're calling that parental rights when they're telling me what my kid can't do. They're calling it freedom and rights when they're telling me what I can or can't do with my body or my children. I'm sorry, that is not parental rights. And it's just not gonna fly anymore. We gotta call it out. Just because they say it's parental rights doesn't make it parental rights. Thank you so much, Amanda. Uh, we'll see you again next week. As always, love your, your insights. Thanks, guys.